Welcome to the Creation Today Show. My name is Eric Hovind. I'm gonna be your host for today's conversation about beliefs. And we're asking the question, why do they really matter? Now, as you probably already know, there are a lot of beliefs around the world today. What I wanna look at is what are the implications of a person's belief? What does a person's beliefs have to do with reality or ultimate effects in this life or a life to come? I mean, in the grand scheme of the universe, who really cares what one group of people believe over there versus what another group of people believe over here? For that matter, who really cares who's right and who's wrong? What are the implications of a belief system? But if Jesus truly is ruling and reigning from heaven, this is his world, then we can know what to do in this world so as to live fully, to flourish, to function the way that God intended us to function. We are called to be a prophetic voice, even when in God's sovereign decree, we live in a land that is under judgment. Uh, we're still called to be faithful. Making application at the kitchen table over dinner, talking about current events, what's going on in the world, and how your worldview, your set of beliefs, your ultimate presuppositions, your starting places, determine how you're going to live your life and what you're going to be willing to give up and sacrifice and what you should give your life in sacrifice for, for others. Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. My guest today is from Alpha and Omega Ministries and Apologia Studios. He's the author of many books, including Letters to a Mormon Elder, Scripture Alone, uh, Exploring the Bible's Accuracy, Authority, and Authenticity, which, oh my goodness, that is so important today. King James Only Controversy, uh, What Everybody Needs to Know About the Quran, uh, The Forgotten Trinity, uh, Recovering the Hearts of the Christian Beliefs. So he talks about beliefs all the time. He's participated in over 170 moderated debates and he's debated scholars of Islam, Jehovah's Witness, Roman Catholicism, Mormonism, atheism, scholars like Bart Ehrman, Dan Barker, John Dominic Crossan. He's also been hosting The Dividing Line for years and been blogging since, well, the 80s. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Dr. James White. Dr. White, thanks for joining me today. Good to be with you. Yeah, we were webcasting before there was uh, pods and all sorts of that kind of stuff. We sort of we sort of broke into that. And this is actually Alton Omega's 40th anniversary. We have a big shindig coming up in uh, in October. We'll be celebrating 40 years of, uh, of ministry. It's hard to hard to believe, but uh, yeah, I'm getting old. No toys about it. That is awesome. I was actually going to look up how many different dividing lines you had done, and I could not find the actual number. Uh, um, on Sermon Audio, we have over 2,200, but but we only we only started that in '98, and we started doing the dividing line on local radio stations in the 1980s. So who knows? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, you have had, uh, had a lot of debates, and each one is ultimately addressing what people believe. And as I think about all the different belief systems in the world today, uh, I wanted to ask you because you've actually you've done a show on this on the dividing line on why your beliefs matter, why apologetics matter, why theology matters. So I wanted to bring this question to you um, as we jump into this. Can you tell us real quick why you're so passionate and spend your life in the last 40 years of dividing line talking about beliefs and, and why they matter? 
Well, you know, when, when we use the term belief today, at least in our society, it unfortunately now carries somewhat of a, a connotation of, well, it's my personal feelings or something along those lines, rather than what it used to be. I mean, in our nation, uh, we used to have shared common beliefs that provided the foundation of our societal interaction, our laws, uh, how the society decided what to do, uh, how to do it, uh, things like that. We are so divided now, and I think that's purposeful on the part of many people, but we're so divided now that we've all become our own little autonomous deities. And so we, we, get, to, we get to decide how we're going to do things. Um, the entire transgender movement, for example, the idea that, that a man by his thinking uh, can actually change biological reality. Uh, all of this goes back to the fact that we now, in a especially in a secular society, you don't have any objective standards by which to even speak of something such as uh, objective truth that would be binding on everybody. And so mankind has been thrust, we've, we've thrown God out. God was always that central uh, organizing reality so that when God's in the center and we're related to God, then we can have true knowledge through him of everything else from science and history and poetry and uh, mathematics and everything else. Uh, we, we know it truly because of our relationship to God. He's gone. The vacuum has put us in the center and we're not big enough to be there. None of us can have the kind of knowledge uh, to be able to uh, correlate all the data that is out there now on all these different areas. And so this has led to a, a catastrophic collapse of what's called epistemology, uh, how we know what we know. And the result is what's being taught in, I guess we used to call them schools, <laughs> what I'm watching these days, they're indoctrination centers and badly run ones, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but, but you know, what, what used to be taught in those schools had a coherence. When I'm, I'm old enough to remember, you know, I could pretty much expect that the world uh, in second grade was going to be pretty much like it was in first grade. <laughs> there was a consistency. There was a, there was a harmony. When I think about kids today, I mean, honestly, things can change in a, in a matter of weeks. Uh, when when you look at what is being uh, considered today to be uh, morally good and necessary, and our society must act upon this, 15 years ago, nobody was even talking about it, never even heard of it. And no one cares in the younger generations that what they are all excited about now nobody had even thought of 20 years ago. Uh, and so this, this atomization, this explode, this breaking everything apart, beliefs have simply become how, how I emote about things, how yeah. I have emotion about things. And that's not how it, that's not how it was when I started my ministry. Um, we started off specifically seeking to reach out to Mormons. And that meant the Mormons had their beliefs and we had our beliefs and they were at loggerheads with one another and both made claims to objective truth. Both could not be true. 
And so we would go out and pass out tracks and we'd have conversations with people. And, and it is sort of interesting to note Mormonism has lost a lot of that. Now, there was always the subjectivism in the Mormon testimony and stuff like that. But did you know that the Salt Lake City City Council is 100% LGBTQ? Um, That there are LGBTQ campus groups at BYU? Um, Of all the religions that I figured would stand firm, Mormonism has a gendered God. The God of Mormonism is a male. He has male body parts. He has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as any man's. And he has bunches and bunches of female wives who also have physical bodies. And he begets children by them. So I I don't know how uh, Mormonism could become as soft as it has become on these issues, given their own view of theology. But again, things have changed. And so today when you talk to people about beliefs, um, they, you know, the big thing now is, well, you know, uh, you don't want to offend anybody. Uh, everybody needs to have their safe space. And so you can't believe things that are in any way offensive to somebody else. So it's all emotion. It's all feeling. There is no objective analysis uh, to to go on. And this has left Christians in a, a tough spot because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That is a, a belief that has fundamental impact upon everyone. Um, and in fact, the, the Christian claim is that Jesus has been enthroned in heaven and all authority has been given to him in heaven and earth. Wow. Um, if we call that simply a belief in the sense of, I feel that, that can't have any impact on you. But if Jesus truly is ruling and reigning from heaven, this is his world, then we can know what to do in this world so as to live fully, to to flourish, um, to to function the way that God intended us to function. And so the farther our society goes into this cultural insanity, uh, the more the church is going to be called upon to speak with a clarity that, I'll just be honest, um, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and, you know, the big things back then was, uh, what was the what was the lady who did the Florida orange juice commercials? Anita Bryant. Anita Bryant said... You're too young to remember Anita Bryant. I am. I'm like, I'm in Florida, but I don't know that one, man. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got to be careful. But Anita Bryant said something about homosexuals and, oh, it's a world about about fell apart. Um, at least there was still some community of of commonality in our culture. It's all dark. And that changes. That's changing everything. I seem to notice a lot of parents. I got so many questions for you, but a lot of parents end up changing what they believe because it becomes personal with their children. They see their children adopting or taking on an LGBT lifestyle. They're like, well, maybe God isn't against this. And it just, it seems like a lot of times people are adjusting, adjusting their beliefs to justify behavior rather than adopting beliefs and then aligning with those, with the behaviors that follow. Do you see that a lot? Well, uh, (laughs) 
uh, the, all the mainstream denominations have been doing that for decades. And every time I, I, I didn't play it on the dividing line today, but I, I had it queued up and ready to go. I still have it. In fact, I could even play it for you. And let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads. Okay, did you catch that? Oh. I believe in the non-binary God whose pro pronouns are plural. And it, it, it's called the Sparkle Creed. Okay, so I'm not going to bend your mind with anything more. There's your mainline denominations. That's they, they, they lost their foundation long, long ago. And so they're just drifting along in the backwaters of the society, accepting whatever the society comes up with. But you still got all the stuff. You still got all the trappings of Christianity. I mean, why should we re recite a creed together? Where'd that come from? But now it's the sparkle creed. <laughs> it's just like, wow, you're just left. You're, you're left shaking your head. But at the same time, you have to realize there was a process that led to this. There was a process that led to this and it, it didn't happen overnight. And so when you see parents doing what they're doing, I can guarantee you they were not the parents that were communicating a uh, unchanging biblical standard to those young people in the first place. Okay, so they, they've got nothing else they can do. And it just seems to me you know, my generation, uh, we were raised by the people coming out of World War II. And, you know, I, my parents uh, tried to raise me in a godly fashion. Their background was not one that, that gave them a foundation that fundamentally said, all authority has been given to Jesus Christ as the risen Lord. Um we call the entire world to recognize that he is Lord. Uh, I was raised in more of an independent fundamentalist Baptist type thing, which was very pietistic in the sense of, you know, most of Christianity is just me and God and me getting to heaven. And what I do between now and then, you know, uh, I have to figure out what God's will for my life is and all the rest of that kind of stuff. But the idea of my obedience to Christ my my marriage, my children, my family being a part of the expansion of the kingdom of God. Um, you know, Matthew 16, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, right? And we all, when we read that, we go, uh, so that means that the gates are attacking us and they're not going <laughs> to win? No, it's the opposite. We're attacking the gates of hell. The gates are defensive and they will not survive the attack of the church. And so I didn't have that. I, I wasn't I wasn't raised with that. And I wish I had been. I would have had more kids. <laughs> um, I'm enjoying my five grandkids, but I know people that have, you know, 25 grandkids and that that would have been great. Um, but we are we are looking at a situation where the world around us has joined a cult. I mean, when you look at 
I'm not even talking about the COVID stuff. When you look at, for example, the climate change cult and the, the, the fact that the, I mean, these, you've got people going into art galleries and throwing paint on Monet paintings and then gluing themselves to the wall because they think that if you fill your tank up with diesel, uh, the world's going to end tomorrow. And what they are willing to do for their cultic beliefs that really, when you think about it, how empty is that? What, what kind of a life is that? But since they've lost the vision of God, they've lost the, the, the Christian call that you're a creature of God, you're made in God's image, um, you have a transcendent value in your life. As a mother, when you raise your children, you are doing valuable things. They've lost all that. And so they're 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 grabbing stuff out there in the world, and it's they're trying to fill that God shaped vacuum, and they're not, they can't do it. It's sad, um, but that's that's the way things are. And so their beliefs in what the secular world is telling them is their meaning or their lack of meaning. They become not only what drives them, but if you challenge those beliefs then you're your hate silt. You're a bigot. You're, 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 you're a hater. Your speech should be curtailed. Uh, that's going to be one of the biggest things that we're dealing with, honestly, is we are called to be a prophetic voice even when, in God's sovereign decree, we live in a land that is under judgment. Uh, we're still called to be faithful in testifying of the truth. And God's people down over the centuries have very often um, struggled and, in fact, suffered as a result of so doing. All you got to do is read the prophets, yeah. and it's right there in front of you. Um, so that's where we're that's where we're headed. And the as I get older and older and older, and your body gives you so many reminders that life is not going to last forever. My dad died last year. My mom died like 13 years ago now. Uh, so, you know, I'm the old guy in the, in the, in the group now. And as I get older, um, my grandkids become so much more central in my thinking. Um, cause the way I was raised, I was going to be lucky to even get married because, you know, the rapture was going to happen tomorrow and, yes. you know, people have their different views fine, but that's how I was raised. Me too. So I would... So nobody ever told me, um, no one ever challenged me and, and said, do you ever think about what you're doing to sow seed and plant and build for your great-grandchildren? Because I never even contemplated the idea that I'd have them. Yeah, I, wouldn't even, I didn't even think about it. And I've been telling people, sorry, I'm talking so much. I've been telling people, I told you, 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 you weren't going to have to do much work here. Um <laughs> I've been telling people that there have been three things in life that have been the biggest life changers. Everybody knows you get married and that changes everything. You have kids and oh goodness, uh, talk about becoming mature overnight. You're now responsible for this little self-centered human being that the world revolves around them and their needs. And you if, if you've got eyes, you see that. And then you start going, wow, so I've always been that way. 
and by that way in God's sight all the time. Um, But then I did not know. And I I just, I didn't know. My parents had never really said anything about it to me. When your babies have babies, all of a sudden you start hearing the music from Lion King, the circle of life. (laughs) And you start realizing I'm a part of something so much bigger than myself. And you start asking yourself the question, you know, did I lay the foundation in my kids' lives that will now be passed on to these grandchildren? What can I do? What kind of example can I be toward them? Uh, How can I be self-sacrificial in helping them to take a firm stand? Um, Father's Day was a week ago, Sunday, I think. And I got to Apologia, and my oldest granddaughter, Cadence, borrowed a pen from me. And she was sitting there writing something. Everybody really wasn't paying too much attention. And then she folds it up and she gives it to me. And it's a little Father's Day thing, little Father's Day message she wrote for me. And she, she was talking about just how much she appreciates the example that I am for her and for so many people around the world. This is the greatest thing I got for Father's Day. Yeah. Amen. But here's here's my granddaughter, and we are, from, from the beginning, I have been explaining to her and to Clementine and to January, and now we got little, got Waylon, we got little Ransom, he's uh, coming up on a year now. Um, I've been explaining to them what they are going to be called to do and why right now, even at this age, their friends, well, they're all homeschooled and they're all at Apologia, so all their friends are doing the same <laughs> thing they're doing. But but they're, they're out of our circle friends, maybe running around doing all sorts of weird and crazy things. Our kids are studying worldview, beliefs, why they matter, and making application at the kitchen table over dinner talking about current events, what's going on in the world, and and how your worldview, your set of beliefs, your ultimate presuppositions, your starting places, determine how you're going to live your life and what you're going to be willing to give up and sacrifice and what you should give your life in sacrifice for, for others. Um, that's... That's the importance of beliefs right there. It, it doesn't hey, that, come from my emotions. It has to be something you can pass on to the next generation, next generation, next generation. Uh, that's why it's vitally important. That is a great way to put it. Uh, you're making me think of my kids and I got one married now and another one going to be getting married. And I'm just, I'm, I'm realizing like you at my age going, okay, this matters. Okay, God, what, what do you want me to do to impact eternity? What do you want me to do to impact this world? It's not, yeah, I, I grew up like you, just as far as the, who cares about the future? We're not going to be here. So right. can we do this? Can we start outside the church and then bring it to inside the church and go, okay, I, we're creation today. I'm always talking apologetics when it comes to creation evolution and trying to get people back to the authority of scripture on what does the Bible say? What does Genesis teach? Can we start with a Darwinian evolution aspect? I think of that as kind of the, the furthest, the atheistic worldview, uh, saying there is no God, we just evolved. If we, if we adopt those beliefs, okay, 
what does that matter? What are the implications? How, how, what does that do to society, to individuals, to family units? Examining those and then maybe work our way to more of the Christian beliefs like you were just talking about. Marx needed Darwin. Um, belief in God and a recognition of a creator had always stood in the way of human religion, human philosophy, freeing us from consideration of God and his ways. Darwin comes along and kicks the door open, provides the way to get rid of God and to provide a supposedly coherent, it's not, uh, answer as to why things are the way they are without divine revelation, without, without reference to anything outside of man's mind, just man's ability to, to use the James Webb telescope and peer into eternity past. Okay. Um, and so the, the advent of Darwinism is what led to, uh, 120 million murdered in the last century. It's what has led to the disintegration of Western society, Western philosophy, Western epistemology, um, it it truly was a watershed moment in the history of the world. And I believe that someday, uh, not only do we look back at the trans insanity going on today, uh, I think a lot of the stuff we're seeing, especially this month, uh, will be running on on screens in museums someday as to what in the world went wrong and why we're never going to do that again. Um, and in the same way with, with Darwin, um, because you and I both know that the more you delve into what we actually know, not what we speculate about, not what we, uh, take our naturalistic philosophies and apply them to scientific data and come up with conclusions about, but what we actually know, uh, Darwin didn't have any idea of the complexity of the living cell, of the genetic mechanisms of mitochondria and and uh, AT, ATP synthase and, and everything else that we have come to understand, the incredible complexity of the eye, blood clotting mechanisms, all these things that you and I talk about all the time and whenever we're addressing this particular subject. He had no idea of any of these things. So we both know that if you are if you are honest with the world around you, you see God's fingerprints everywhere. It, it, it's, it's impossible to avoid them. But our society is filled with people who, and that's why they, they, they want to they get started earlier and earlier in life and go longer and longer in life because it takes that many years to smash the image of God in you and convince you that you are a cosmic accident that has no transcendent meaning. When you die, when you take that last breath, that's it. There's nothing more. The, the cosmos does not care at all. Now, it is interesting, you and I also both know, that people like Dawkins, they're a little bit more honest, brutally honest, as to what all this means. There is no good. There is no bad. It's, those are all just constructs that we make up as we go along. Um, most of the popular presentations 
of evolutionary theory today try to soften a lot of that, try to leave room for some kind of love or companionship or something. But look, we we know what, what Darwin was really saying. Uh, yeah. Get as much of your genotype into the next generation, however that works, and that's your ultimate good. And then get out of the way so your offspring don't have to compete with you for um, for any resources. <laughs> that's what the father is done. I mean, that's that's how neo-Darwinian microvitational evolutionary theory works. And it is insufficient to meet at what what every person knows. What, when we turn the music off and turn the sound off long enough to be in silence, which is, I think, why the younger generations never do that. They've always got earphones on. They've always... It's so that you don't hear the silence and have to think and hear the voice of your own conscience and seriously contemplate what is the reason in all this? Why is it um, that, you know, probably not tonight. Well, I don't know. Sometimes cloudy nights like this will have beautiful sunsets, but you can be in an RV park like I'm in right now and you go out to watch an incredible sunset and there are a bunch of people standing around. You've never seen them. You've never met them. You weren't raised with them. They may have been born half a continent or half a world away. And you're all standing there doing the same thing. Wow, that's beautiful. That's just incredible. Well, why are you doing that? Well, because we're made in the image of God. We're, we're seeing his handiwork around us. There's nothing we can do about it. It's how, it's how we've been made. And it's amazing the conversations that leads to. In fact, I've I've mused more than once. Um, I have a little four and a half inch scope in the back of this thing here. I haven't used it for a while. I'm not sure if after all the shaking around <laughs> that it would see anything. Um, but I but I do have I have a be beautiful uh, uh, eight and a half inch mead or eight eight inch mead, and I've got a ten inch Orion. And um, uh, I I was introduced to uh, astronomy by Jason Lyle, so. <laughs> um, and that, that guy, there was smartest man I've ever met. Uh, just, just an amazing, amazing friend. Anyways, I can set that thing up outside my RV and people will flock over. Yes. And it's just amazing how easy it is to start a conversation about the beauty of what we're seeing. I mean, I, I have, um, if I said to you, Eric, um, Alberio, uh, do you know what Alberio is? I don't. If you said Big Dipper, I got that. Here is a picture that I took, okay, through my own telescope uh, at 8,000 feet. Oh, my goodness. Here. Okay. Wow. That is Alberio. And it is a binary. Now, Jason, I've talked with Jason a lot. We're not sure whether it's a optical binary or an actual gravitational binary. But he was the first one who showed me this star. And if you know colors, you know that gold yellow is the optical opposite of blue. Yes. So you have a smaller blue star with a beautiful gold. And until we develop... Um, uh, telescopes, we didn't know that. We we never saw. We had no idea that this was actually a, an optical uh, a, a binary. But when you see the two of them together, 
it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in the night sky. It, and and that's a great picture I got. I was very, very fortunate to get that. Um, but to see it with your own eyes through a scope is... It, it's, it, 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 I, I tear up sometimes that there is that kind of beauty in the creation um, beyond us. And when people, if I, I can show that to an atheist and they cannot help but be in awe at, at what they see in, in the night sky. Uh, it's all out there. And our society right now is spending billions to try to promote the lie that Alberio just exists. It just happens to be there. There is no purpose. There is no beauty. There is no reason to try to find it in the night sky yourself. Uh, and you should be doing something other than staring up the sky anyways. Darwinism is soul poison. Wow. And we are seeing, we're seeing the results of that soul poisoning in our society uh, in, in so many different ways. So not only with leaders that have murdered over 120 million, you said, just with the atheistic regimes, but right. then abortion, if you're nothing but an animal, your child is nothing but an animal, so get rid of that. Uh, or mutilate it if you want to once it's born, and then kill it later on uh, once it's old. Wow. So all the way from abortion to euthanasia to mutilation in between, people people truly have no idea where they're going, where they've come from, or how to live. I mean, seems like they're lost, right? <laughs> and Jesus. Well, uh, have you noticed the suicide rates amongst uh, teenagers? Uh, it's it's sad and astonishing. Um, and it, it it's not like we've always the, the, been a gloriously Christian culture or something. That's not the case. But there was a consensus that even the person who didn't go to church and wasn't following Christ, they at least knew the stories of the Bible. And when you pushed them, they recognized that there were things that were so important, it was worth giving your life for. I've often said, we could never win World War II again. There's wow. no way. There's no way. I mean, we just what? wouldn't have the tenacity and the, the belief structure and the commonality to come together for this moment. Not only for that moment, but why should why should you sacrifice yourself? Uh, I mean, you look at what happened on D-Day. You look at you look at those men in those landing crafts. They knew what their chances were. And yet they stormed those beaches because they had a worldview that still had so much divine truth in it. And over the past decades, billions and billions of dollars and millions and millions of hours have been invested in trying to whitewash all of that, get rid of all of that. That's the only way you can end up doing what's happening to this nation. And that is, uh, we are so divided that we are willing to give up the things that made this nation the bulwark against the globalism and the elitism and the dehumanization. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever done a study of this. I've not done a study of this, but I'm I'm stunned at how many books and movies have come out since World War II that in essence told us what was coming. Um think of the oh I'm not even talking about you know, 1984, Brave New World, Fahrenheit right. 51. Uh have you read a book called Um This Perfect Day? Nope. Put it on your list. It will freak you out. 1970s, 
I read it during the lockdowns and it's like, wow, um, really? Okay, this is, this no, 1970s and this, okay. Uh, yeah, this perfect day. Not a Christian book, so be be aware of that. But uh, that's exactly where this stuff's coming from. And then the movies. Um, the one with Matt Damon in it. Um, the space station. Uh, Elysium. Yes. Elysium. I can see that happening. Oh. We're seeing that happening right now. You you have you have the elites, and they get all the good stuff, and everybody else. You just need to do what you need to do to provide for them. And I'm thinking a, of the, the Hunger Games going, and the the, yeah. uh, the Hunger Game trilogy and the multiple things like that. Hey, yep. I, I want to continue. I got to let my Facebook and YouTube audience go real quick. Facebook and YouTube, I know we're over time, but uh, thank you guys for hanging out with me. Please join me next week for another great show. Uh, if you want to continue on this conversation, just head on over to creationtoday.org and you can jump in on the rest of this conversation. Beliefs really do matter. They are critically important if it's not abundantly clear already. Um, Dr. White, for those that are joining us that have to go now, uh, is there uh, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Do you promote the... Apologia Radio, Apologia Studio, Alpha and Omega, or all of the above, go and just subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> yeah, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Uh, AOMN.org is our website, our YouTube channel for The Dividing Line. And then, of course, I do all sorts of stuff with Jeff and Luke and Zach at Apologia Studios and and preach there regularly. So um, we're all over the place. People get sick of us eventually, but we enjoy it. <laughs> no, what you want is to glean the wisdom and knowledge that these men have. And I can tell you right now, just based on this conversation, you're going to want to be asking them questions like, okay, what do I do? How should I, what should I be doing now in light of the future? And how do we do the right thing? So, oh, continue to learn and uh, continue to learn from these gentlemen. You really will love it. So James White at Alpha and Omega Ministry, AOMN.org and Apologia Radio. Go check them out and subscribe. Thank you guys.